Thank you. Thank you, babe. Hey, good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Like, you really doing all right, or are you just giving a courtesy answer? Y'all know what I mean. Sometimes if somebody asks you how you doing, just to avoid the conversation, you just say, oh, we're doing good. Your whole world's falling apart. You just don't want to have that conversation at Publix. Am I right? I know, man. I know. Ah, oh, yes. Today's going to be a good day. It's already a good day. Am I right? All right. Cynthia mentioned a moment ago that uh, seven days of prayer, and we're going to kick that off this week. And I want to take a few minutes before we jump into the message and officially as pastor of the church to call us to seven days of dedicated prayer. And usually we do prayer and fasting, but this go round, we're going to do prayer and a feast. I thought you'd be a little more excited. Maybe, maybe we should fast. <laughs> Might get a better reaction. Seven days of prayer and then a feast. And maybe you've never done anything like this before. Uh, but I, I think uh, to have a dedicated time where we come together as a church and focus our prayers in a similar direction, I think it could be effective. I think it could be life-changing. I think it can help you get off the struggle bus when it comes to your prayer life because, you know, obviously you're the only one that struggles with praying every day. Am I right? Am I right? It's just you. It's no one else. And so what I'm praying is that over the next seven days that, that, that this is kind of like a training wheel for you get you on the bike to get you going. And so we put together a, a, a little daily devotion for each of the seven days. Now, this isn't something copied, okay? I don't want you to think we just bootleg somebody's stuff. And I also want you to know I was not using chat GPT to come up with this, okay? I'm not doing that stuff. i got a feeling the government's behind it and they're coming get me. And so that's my theory sticking with it. Anyway, Elijah put together some slides. And uh, Eve, why don't you put one of them up and let's kind of show them what this is going to look like. Um, I think we're going to show it. No, we're not. Okay. Anyway, each day there is a theme and there is a dedicated prayer point. There's also some suggested reading for you. And if you step back and look at the whole template of the seven days of prayer and fasting, uh, a prayer and a feast, you see how that just happened? Almost got you fasting for the week. Uh, if you step back and look at the template, you'll see that it actually follows the Lord's Prayer. Now, I didn't include that in there, but I'm letting you know that's kind of the model that we have used. So what will happen is tomorrow for day one, you can go to our website and you'll see all of this stuff on there, or it'll be on our social media pages. You can go on our social media, and it'll be a graphic that tells you what the prayer point is today, what the prayer focus is. It'll also have the devotional and the scripture references, and you can pull up the scripture reference and read along. And what I want to encourage you to do over the next seven days is take it serious and read the scripture. I know some of you, you got your own Bible reading plan, and that's fine. So we're just going to add to your, your daily assignment because school is starting. Look at this. They made it happen. Look at that. So you're just kind of running through. So each day you'll kind of see the different prayer focus. There'll be scripture. There'll be devotion and everything. But this is what I want to encourage you to do over these days, that, that 
read the suggested reading, and as you read, take some notes. Like, have a little, a little paper and pen or a phone or however you do your stuff now. Because some people, they just do it all on their phone. Okay. But just jot down some thoughts as you read that scripture. If, if there's a thought that jumps out at you or one particular verse that you read that jumps out at you, jot it down. I want you to think about it a little bit. Write it down because this is what I this is what happens to me. I wind up reading this stuff. I'll just jot it down. And don't you know the Lord's going to put somebody in my path? And I'm not going to know always what to tell them. But then I'll remember, wait a minute. I was reading this morning in day three of our seven days of prayer in a feast. And I read this and I will share it with you. So I encourage you, take some time to read Write some things down. Take some time to pray. Take some time to worship. Make it a, make it a goal. I'm going to do this for the next seven days. And as we pray, let's pray for some specific things that, that God's moving on our heart. Maybe you got some things in your life. I'll just say it this way. If you're worried about it, if it's on your mind, pray about it. And even if your prayer sounds like this, God, I don't even know what to do with those kids anymore. But you gave them to me. I'm going to love them the best that I can. But I need you to help me raise them. Because they're driving me nuts. And the Lord said, well, let's change you. Come on, somebody. Let's change you. Take some time to pray about those things. Let's pray for some things concerning our church. And here's my hope that we'll all get closer to God. And as we cry out to God, we'll pray about the things that we need. And God will move in our hearts. So tomorrow... Whenever you wake up, you got to go to EmergeChurch.com, okay? It's going to be on social media. Make sure you check it out. And let's do this seven days of prayer and a feast. I'll be jumping on randomly through the week to bring you some encouragement, to share some things the Lord is sharing with me. But I think that's going to be absolutely incredible. And one more thing before we jump into the message, baptism. Water baptism is next Sunday. And if you plan on being water baptized, make sure that you sign up online, okay? Or you can go back to the hub today right after church, fill out the connection card. But if you're making plans to do that, you need to make sure that you sign up. We'll follow up with an email to let you know all the different instructions that you need so that you're prepared and that you're ready to go. This is always an incredible Sunday when we get to water baptize. And so, hey, church, we need you to come and celebrate them as they take that step of faith. I think it's one of the most awesome moments in a person's life. And then my mom and dad are going to be here, so you better show up. My mom's going to call you, wake you up out of bed and say, where you at? You should be in church and all that stuff. So, all right, that's enough. Let's jump into the message today. I want to go to the Old Testament, to the book of Zechariah. The OT, the book of Zechariah. Z-E-C-H-A-R-I-A-H. Not Z-A, Z-E. Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. There's something in here I got to show you today. Now, at first, it's going to be a little deep. But you're going to be all right. We'll get you some floaties. All right? Let's start. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Zechariah says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. And some of you already are like, 
All right, that's deep enough. I, I, I need my floaties. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. How many of you are in that boat right now reading this? I know, right? I was like, what in the world? Seven bowls. Yeah, I got dishes in the sink to clean too. Okay. Uh, So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Another name, Zerubbabel. Sounds like a good name for a cat. Anyway, (laughs) let's get back on track. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now that's a powerful message. Okay. Now watch this in verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. I want to read that again. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Come on, somebody help me say grace, grace this morning. Grace, grace. Let's shout it. Grace, grace. Grace. Come on, let's shout it like you need it. Grace, grace. Ah, He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Now, before we pray, let me give you a little context here so that you can swim in this deep water. So Israel is making a comeback. The nation of Israel in the Old Testament, it's making a comeback. And this guy named Zerubbabel and his friend, you may have heard of him. He wrote a book of the Bible. His name is Nehemiah. Okay, So Zerubbabel and Nehemiah are motivated to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple that they worship in in that city. So Nehemiah is rebuilding the city, and Zerubbabel is rebuilding the temple. Come on now, this is some good stuff that's happening here. And this is a huge task that is ahead of them because their entire city and the temple, by the way, this was the temple that Solomon built. Y'all remember Solomon, King Solomon, King David's son who built a temple for the Lord that was incredible, majestic, gold-plated, everything. Like, I mean, this is a pretty incredible temple. It was destroyed in the Babylonian captivity. And you say, well, why would God allow them to be taken captives, but being captive by the Babylonians? It's because they were unfaithful to the Lord. God didn't want to do that. But listen, unfaithfulness will lead you to a place of captivity. And this is what happened to this whole entire nation because they turned their back on the Lord and began to do things and worship other objects and other gods. They got themselves in a little mess, and they were unfaithful to God. And as a result, they they were taken captive by the Babylonians, okay? And so after a period of time where they were held captive, the Lord began to move on the hearts of some of the people that were a part of this great nation, and they realized somebody's got to do something. Look at your neighbor and say, somebody's got to do something. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes when you get motivated to do something, you're more motivated than what you have count the cost for what you're motivated to do. 
you've done the DIY project where you saw the show and you're like, let's do it. And you started tearing out the bathroom and then you realize, uh-oh, I need to take a shower tonight. I don't have a shower. So now you're getting in the yard with the hose on and your neighbors are looking at you weird. And you're blaming God. It was all you. They were motivated to do this, but it was pretty incredible task to take on because it was in ruins. And this is sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't read all of it. We read the story and we move on. But I need you to know that if that nation is in ruin, that means their homes were in ruin. That means their families were scattered. That means their economy was wrecked. And in the middle of all of this chaos, the Lord puts it on the heart of this guy Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. And the chapter starts with vision because God sends an angel to Zerubbabel and shares some things with him that is like, what in the world are you showing me bowls for? What are you showing me a candlestick for? What's up with these two olive trees? And Zechariah chapter 4 is actually somewhat of a parallel to Revelations chapter 1 through 3. Because when you read Revelations chapter 1 through 3, it talks about seven churches. And it talks about a lampstand that had seven candles. Are you seeing some correlation here? When you see the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, it's a picture of the church today. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that were pictures. It was the example before the real thing. And so all these pictures are given when you see the olive trees. It's a symbolic of the anointing. When you see the tubes that flow into the candlesticks, it's a picture of the flow of the Holy Spirit into the church, into our lives. It's the anointing of God that's flowing into his house. Come on, you're starting to come along with this a little bit. And so the Lord has moved on Zerubbabel to build, to rebuild this temple. He's moved on Nehemiah to rebuild this temple. But the task is so great. They've gotten themselves into something that is way over their head. And it's one of those, God, if you don't come through, there is no way that this is going to happen. And today I just felt it so deep in my soul. There's some people that are sitting out there that's watching on the live stream that's truly living in a state of God. If you don't come through, it's not going to happen. You may have been motivated at one point, but your motivation has hit reality. And now it seems hard. And the question I believe that is to be asked today is, what are you going to do? And I love this chapter of the Bible because it starts with vision, but it's followed by God's voice. And if there's ever a time in our lives that I believe that we need to hear the voice of God, it's right now. To raise children in this world that we're living in, we need the voice of God like never before. To navigate the craziness that's happening in your workplace, we know what everybody else is saying. But had you heard what God is saying to your life? Amen? 
for your marriage to make it. We've heard what they said. And we've heard what the friends say about what they said. But have you heard what God is saying for your life personally and the direction of your life? What are you going to do about your future? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? It's time for us to hear the voice of God. Or are you listening? Or are you listening? Or do you have your radio tuned to your station? Amen? Are you listening to what God wants to say? And this, this chapter is so incredible because the Lord knew exactly what Zerubbabel needed. He needed a refresher of his vision, and he needed to hear the voice of God. And the way that God speaks to him, it's not just a message that he needed to hear with his ears, but it was something he needed to hear with his heart. Because what I read today wasn't just encouragement. This was affirmation. This was basically letting Zerubbabel know, you're not crazy, bro. Amen. And some of you, you needed to hear that today because you're taking steps of faith and you think you lost your mind. But you're not crazy, bro. You're just following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come on, I feel this thing today. The Lord tells him, it's not by might nor by power. And this is what he's trying to let him know. It's going to take more than manpower to make this happen. It's going to take more than your strength, more than your ability, and more than your talent. It's going to take God's spirit. And if there's ever a message that I believe that we need to hear it's knowing that you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. In fact, go read Revelations chapter 1 through 3. And every time the word came to each of those seven churches, it ends with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the what Spirit is saying to the church. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And Zerubbabel is instructed to get the capstone. The final piece. He's still trying to figure out the foundation. And the angel of the Lord says, get the capstone and bring it forth. The final piece of the temple and bring it forth with shouts of grace, grace. Mm. And then God tells him, you started this, you're going to finish it. See, this isn't just a friend encouraging you. This is the word of the Lord awakening your faith inside of you and bringing the affirmation to confirm you can do this. I should have entitled, entitled the message today, you can do this, but actually he can do this. He can do this. If you need a title, there you go. He can do this. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to share this word. I believe there's something that you want to affirm you want to affirm in our hearts today. And Father, I stand here simply as a servant, just a delivery boy, to bring what you want to say, to bring the news, the good news that you want everyone in here to hear today. And I pray, Father, we won't just hear with our ears for our own understanding, but we will, he we will hear for our heart for a revelation. Something that sticks with us. Something that is, it's to be considered and, and thought about and, and thought about over and over and over. So Lord, today, magnify your word as it is spoken. Jesus, awaken it inside of us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Now, just like Zerubbabel, and uh, man, that name is just odd, but that's his name. Uh, there are some things that God has for each of us to do. And I need you to understand this, that you don't define the assignments for your life. The creation doesn't tell the creator what it's here to do. Amen? The creator determines the purpose and the assignment. And uh, a lot of times we like to determine what we're going to do with our lives. But ultimately, the Lord orders the steps. And so there's some assignments and responsibilities that Zerubbabel has. But there's also some assignments and responsibilities that you have. And I want to say that personally to you. And that your sphere of influence isn't just within your own house. Can I get an amen? It is for your house, but it's for your house and beyond. Because I believe that what God does in your house isn't just for your house, but it's for his house. Amen? That, that the memories that you're wanting to make isn't just for your family, but there's some memories for the family of God as well. And you have a part in that. And there are some assignments that God has for each of us that are personal. It's for you. Some things that you got to do that God tells you to do that is more for you than for anybody else. There are some things that you have to do that's an assignment that's for your family. And uh, we're pretty good at those because we'll sacrifice anything for our family. But will we sacrifice with our family? See, there's a difference there. And a lot of times we're not willing to do that because of the cost. We're okay with it costing us, but are we okay with it costing our kids? Amen? Because there is a price to pay. Love has a price to pay. Sacrifice is worth it. Amen? Come on, somebody. And so there are some assignments for your family, and there are some assignments even for your work, as if you didn't have enough to do already. There are some God assignments that he has for you at work while you do your work. And it may be with that person that you just thought of from work. I'm messing with you a little bit to, to break the box that we put on the Lord and how he should operate and how he should do it. There's also some assignments that God has for you for his kingdom. There's some assignments that God has for you for the church. And again, we are not the ones that determine the assignment. It'd be like the student in the classroom telling the teacher, I think our homework assignment this week should be. That's not how it works. I've told my teachers for years we shouldn't have homework. They never listened. I never did. If you're a teacher, take it easy on the kids this year. Amen. I'll say that for next week. Take it easy on the kids. And there will be times when there are so much on your plate that it seems impossible. Come on, maybe you're there right now. But we still have to do them. Amen? Because it's not a matter of it being an option. It ultimately comes down to, this is a matter of obedience. Can I say that there are things that God wants us to do? It's not optional. It's obedience. There are some assignments that God has for us, and maybe you're claiming it ain't your season and don't let delayed obedience, because it ain't your season, be the excuse for disobedience. Just want to slide that in there. 
on this summer Sunday morning. Amen. And last week we talked about the five expressions of grace. And we, we knew about the saving grace of God because, come on, we all need to be saved. Am I right? Look at your neighbor and say, thank God he saved you. <laughs> you needed to change. So we know about the saving grace of God. We know about the sanctifying grace of God because God's still working on us. Am I right? Still working on us. But then we also talked about the teaching grace of God where God teaches us how to live holy. And we're all in that process. It isn't the stage of grace where, oh, I'm not in that stage where God is making me holy. Yes, you are. We're all in that stage, and you will forever be in that stage where God is making you holy. But then when we started talking about the enabling grace of God last week, and we started talking about the enduring grace of God, I noticed a shift in the room. And it felt like everybody was like, oh, finally, you're sharing something that I need. It's like you didn't know, and I was telling you the best thing you could have heard. You could feel it in the room. I notice that people begin to grab it. I want that kind of grace in my life, enabling and enduring grace. And last week I saw Rachel before church, and she had this shirt on. It said, grit and grace, grit and grace. And when I was reading through this this week in Zechariah chapter 4, I realized this guy, Nehemiah, and this guy, Zerubbabel, they had grit, man. I like guys like that, by the way. They had some grit. They were like, we're going to get something done. But what you saw was their grit wasn't enough. Come on, anybody ever been there where you, you, you're one of those people, you got some grit, but you start to realize my grit ain't enough? How many of y'all are feeling that? My grit just doesn't seem like it's enough. But the shirt didn't just say grit, it said grit and grace. And I think we put our game face on and we try to grind it, uh, grind it out because we want to be known as people who got some grit. But just like Zerubbabel, he had vision because he was inspired to rebuild the temple. He still needed the Spirit of God. Amen? And just like he had might and power, he still needed the grace of God. He had the grit, but he needed the grace. And I feel like there are some people that have a mountain that's standing in front of them. And it's an impossibility that it seems like if I could just get this out of the way, then I could finally. That's, what I, that's where I feel like so many people are. If I could get this out of the way, then I can finally get to that. God, whenever I really learn all about you, then I will do that thing you told me to do. God, when I'm finally able to get past that hurt, then I will finally be able to. Whenever we finally get everything situated in the house that we moved into six and a half years ago, then I will finally be able to. When we finally get the kids figured out, listen, we got kids grown now. We still don't have them figured out. My parents are coming next week. They will look at me and say, we still haven't figured this kid out. But there's a mountain that's in front of us that we just believe if I can get it figured out, then I can go and do it. And Zerubbabel has this mountain that's in front of him. And it's an insurmountable task to try to take from the rubble and rebuild something that was so glorious as the temple of God where he would come and dwell. 
This was a huge task on his hand. He had the manpower, but he needed more than the manpower. He had the grit, but he needed the grace of God to do it. And God told him, the mountain that is in front of you will become a level plain. But then he says, you got to go and get the capstone. You got to get, you got to be able to see the end. You got to see the end where you are now. And a lot of us, we don't want to look at the end because we know there's the possibility that God may ask us to do some things along the way that we didn't sign up to do. Come on. And I'm just preaching that out of my own personal life. That's not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of, I know, still doing it too. And so it's dangerous to look at the end because if you look at the end, it may tell you some things you need to do right now. And it may interfere with your schedule. It may interfere with your plan. But can I just let you in on something? Maybe that's what God's trying to do. It's quiet in here. I don't know if it's awkward silence or if you agree that much and you're impressed. So I'll carry on. He tells him, take the capstone and bring it forth with shouts of grace, grace. Now, what have we been talking about for the last few weeks? We've been talking about grace, in place. And I'm more convinced that we don't fully understand the grace of God. Because there's a lot of people who would rather grind it out for God than walk in the grace of God. No doubt grinding it out will give you a lot of positive affirmation from people. And they will think that you are something great. But the grace of God gives you no room to claim greatness. It simply points to God and says, he's the great one, and I'm lucky to be where I'm at. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And that's the recipe for going further than what you ever thought you can go. It's by God's grace. Now, in the world we live in, though, grit and grind is the method. That's how we roll. Because there is an element, watch this, of pride that comes with it. And we learned in week one of this series that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Come on now. And we've got to make sure that our activities and our actions doesn't promote pride, but it receives grace. Amen? I'm not saying don't get your grind on. I'm just saying, let the grace of God lead you as you get your grind on so you don't burn out, so you don't burn up, so you don't burn somebody. Amen? Or you don't burn with anger. This is the real stuff. Because I can only imagine the frustration that came with this whole idea of rebuilding the temple. Because you're fired up, but you're looking at the resources. And my question is always, who's going to pay for that? Y'all remember that? Because they broke. Who's going to pay for this? And can I tell you that the economy does not dictate what God can do and what God wants to do? Amen? Not by might nor by power, financial power, but by God's spirit. Amen? This is important that we talk about. And so as we begin to factor in the mountain that we're facing, it could be a mountain of doubt. It could be a mountain of fear. It could be a mountain of offense. 
It could be a financial mountain. It could be a health diagnosis mountain. It could be a mountain, watch this, of the unknown. If you're a control freak, expect God to give you a mountain of unknown. I know, right? It's like old school parenting. You're afraid of the dark? No night light for you. And no, we're not leaving the bathroom light on. Some of you are adults and you're still sleeping with the bathroom light on. And why did they do that? To make you face your fear. Now you get traumatized, triggered, and all those other counseling words if you do that to the kids. Okay, I know. But what were they trying to do? Make you face your mountain. That's what it was. Face your mountain. Instead of looking at the scenery of a mountain range and say, we're just going to settle in the valley. And what you need is on the other side of the mountain. It's like, hey, there's a mountain in front. Let's get past the mountain. It could be a mountain of tradition. This is how we've always done it. This morning in that song, we're talking about tearing down the tradition. Some of you were like a little bit on edge and twitching and stuff. It's like, no, I like my tradition. And God will wreck your tradition so he can do something new in your life. Amen? And I'll say this, religious tradition is one of the worst. It could be a mountain of selfishness. And the Lord says, the mountain that's an obstacle will become a plain. This is what the Lord is saying to him. And Zerubbabel will bring forth the capstone, meaning he will accomplish this. But the key is what you're shouting. I want you to hear what I'm saying today. The key is what you have been shouting. And he tells him to shout, grace, grace. We're supposed to shout grace, grace, but most of the time, instead of shouting grace, we're just griping. Come on now. What you speak to your mountain matters. What you speak about your mountain matters. I'll show you what I mean. Mark 11, verse 23. This is what Jesus said. I'll tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain... Jesus is saying this. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Jesus is talking specifically about speaking to your mountain. In Zerubbabel's case, the Lord's saying, you got to speak to your mountain. What have you been speaking to this obstacle that is standing in your way? And I felt like there's some people here. I really believe the Lord showed me this, that you're trying to climb the mountain that's in the way because you got the grit to do it. But you're supposed to shout to it. I'll give you a good reminder about this shouting thing because some of you, you're introverted, you're quiet, okay? The story about Joshua leading the children of Israel around Jericho. How many of y'all did the Jericho march when you were a kid in, in children's church? You know what I'm saying? You march around it seven times. You got to be quiet, though. And after the seventh time, you got to march around it seven more times. And then the seventh time, what do you do? You shout. And when you shout, what happens to the walls? 
they start crashing down. I'm not trying to present to you some new, weird, new age idea of the Bible of what you're supposed to do. I'm just telling you, this has happened. This is stuff that has happened. And so I felt like the Lord said there's people trying to climb something that they're just supposed to speak to. So I'm going to give you three grace reminders today. And I feel like i got to convince you of this. And there's, there's so much I want to tell you about the grace of God. I'm going to carry on next week. I want to talk to you about the grace that's on your life, the grace that's on our church. I want to talk to you about so much of this because the Lord just keeps like, I don't know. It's like the floodgates are open. I can't get away from this. I hope you're okay with it. But this is what we're going to do. All right? The first reminder I want to give you is this. Grace isn't earned. It's received. And you say, why are you telling us this? Because there's a lot of people that believe that they grind it out enough, they will finally earn what God will give them. And can I tell you the grace that God wants to give you, you can't earn it. And I want to say it like this, you don't have to. You just have to receive it. Now, the reason why this is a challenge to us is because we have a hard time with help. If I came up to you right now and say, hey, man, I just want to bless you and your family and give you $100. If I came up to Joe and said, Joe, I want to bless you and your family and give you $100. I know Joe well enough. Joe's going to be like, no, 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 no. I want to be a blessing to you. I was like, no, Joe, I want to bless you. And Joe's going to be like, no, I'm going to bless you. You need help more than me. What does that mean? But that's what we do. God's like, I want to bless you. I want to help you. No, Lord, I want to bless you. And God's like, I've already got it wrapped up for you. No, you shouldn't have. You don't have to. See, I hadn't been good enough for all of this stuff. And God's like, before you even got started, I already did this. And this is such a revelation for us to realize that God's grace isn't maybe by people's grace you got to earn it. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we got to do better. Amen. But with the grace of God, you don't have to earn it. John chapter 1, verse 16, it's a, and out of the Amplified, it makes it louder so you can hear it. For out of his fullness, the super abundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor. You don't deserve it, but God says, I'll do you a favor. And gift upon, gift heaped upon gift. If it was just gift upon gift, it's a stack. Heaped, that's a pile. Come on. So watch this. It's not what we do that allows us to deserve the grace of God. It's what Jesus did that allows us to receive the grace of God. Meaning this, the craziness and foolishness that we have all participated in called sin. You couldn't make it right with your grit. So Jesus said, I'll pay for it. And all you got to do is believe it, receive it, and walk in it. So watch this. You can ask for God's grace. Every day I encourage you, over these next seven days as you're praying, Jesus, I need your grace. And I think subliminally he's like, I know. <laughs> Ask him for 
his grace. And by the way, if you're going to receive it, be willing to give it. Because what did we say? Grace is a flow. Don't stop the flow with your grudges, your unforgiveness. Come on. You got to make it up in your mind. I will forgive anybody and everybody, no matter how crazy it is what they did, because God forgave me with all my crazy. And I'm not going to stop the flow of grace because of one person. Amen? Come on. You got to make that decision. So grace isn't earned. It's received. Let's not make people try to earn the grace of God. Here's the second thing. It's a grace reminder. Grace makes me who I am. It's the grace of God that makes me who I am. And I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me. That's the grace of God. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any of these other apostles. A little brag right there, am I right? (laughs) He's like, I wasn't included in the original 12, but I worked harder than all of them. Yet it was not I but God who was working through me by God's grace, by his grace. I am who I am because of God's grace. And I will say it this way. It's going to take God's grace for you to become who God planned for you to be. It's going to take the grace of God, the enabling, the enduring. Come on, somebody, the saving, the sanctifying, the teaching, and whatever other kind of grace that we didn't cover yet. I need it all, Lord. Amen. So let me say it like this. There is a grace on your life for you to be the husband you need to be. And there is a grace on your life for you to be the wife that you need to be. There is a grace on your life to be the student that you need to be. There is grace for you to be the employee that you need to be, even in circumstances that are kind of weird, even in circumstances that aren't the greatest. Your marriage may not be great, but you can still be a great husband. You can still be a great wife. Amen? Young people, your home life may be dysfunctional but you still can be a great son or daughter. Amen? Why? Because of the grace of God. You don't have to live in a reaction to them. You can live in the reality of God's grace to be who he wants you to be, even in the middle of the crazy. Can I get an amen? And I'll say it like this. If it's not God's plan for your life, there will be no grace for you to do it. There's a lot of people trying to get some recognition, and God's like, that's not the plan I have for you. And a lot of the struggle that you're going through is because I didn't grace you for that, because I graced you for this. Come on. Here's the last one, number three. Grace leads the way. Grace leads the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able... We sang that this morning. And God is able to make all grace. And I love how the Amplified breaks these words down for us. Every favor and earthly blessing. Come in abundance to you. So that you may always, and watch the breakdown, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything that's being completely self-sufficient in him remember when Paul had the thorn in his flesh and he said I prayed three times that the Lord would take it away and God's response was what 
my grace is sufficient. And have an abundance for every good work. There's your assignments. An abundance of grace for every good work and act of charity. Man, I hope you're getting something out of this today that makes you pray this week and say, God, I need your, I'm praying for all this stuff I want. And really what I need to be praying is, God, I need your grace. Amen? I need your grace. I think God told Zerubbabel to shout grace, grace. Here's why. I think because he had some doubts. Let's not just assume that because he, his name made it in the Bible that he had it all together. Because we know some fellas and some ladies in the Bible that did not have it all together. Remember that guy Judas? Still not sure what was going on there. There's some people that made it in the Bible. And they were imperfect. I think he had doubts. I think he had some condemnation that was pretty loud in his ears. Some of it was probably coming from people. We see it documented in the book of Nehemiah. Three guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Listen, the people that you put around you matter. Come on. Because they kept telling Nehemiah, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? The king didn't tell you you can do this. And Nehemiah's like, I already asked permission. Leave me alone. We got work to do. And if Nehemiah struggled with it, I guarantee you Zerubbabel struggled with it. When's the last time you amplified what God said about you over how you feel and what you think they're saying about you? This is so important because we're living our lives out of what we're hearing. Faith comes by hearing and we're hearing a lot of stuff. That's why it's so important to tune in to hear God's voice. I pray that God's speaking something to your heart right now that you needed to hear today. And the response was shout grace, grace to that thing. I think there's some adjustment in our words that's going to happen this week. It's going to go from griping about it to shouting grace, grace at it. You're going to look at your kids and be like, grace, grace. And your daughter's going to be like, my name's not Grace. You'll be at work in the middle of that project, and it's just nuts. And you're just going to be like, Grace, Grace! And they're going to come running down the hall. You all right in there? Who's Grace? Who's Grace? This is what it is. It's God, I'm dependent on you because only by you is this going to happen. God, do me a favor need your grace right now. Come on, I need you to close your eyes as we wrap up this morning. Because there's some people in here, you need the grace of God on your life. You got an assignment that's in front of you. Man. Some of you even said, God, I didn't ask for this. Didn't ask for this. Grace, grace. If you're in that place, there's a mountain in front of you. There's a mountain in front of you. I want you to stand to your feet this morning.
I want to take a moment just to minister to you. Maybe you've taken on a challenge that is it's a little bit more than what you expected. Maybe there's some things going on in your life financially. Man, it's piling up. And you've said it. Once we get this, then we'll be able to. Once we get that, then we'll be able to. Today, I pray for God's grace. Come on, lift your hands, those of you who are standing. God's grace is on you. You don't have to earn it by praying something fancy. You just got to tell him, God, I receive that grace right now. Come on, you can say it out loud. God, I receive that grace right now. Come on, some of you need to begin to shout to that mountain right now. Grab the capstone. See yourself doing it. Come on, see your marriage restored today. Come on, you got to see yourself running that company. You think you're struggling as the supervisor, but God opened the door for you. Come on, you got to see it. You got to begin to shout grace, grace to that thing. Come on, you've been struggling with that thing all your life, and you think this is just how it's going to be, and maybe by the grace of God, I'm going to make it. You need to shout to that mountain today. You've been circling it for seven years. You've been circling it over and over and over, and God said it's time to shout. Grace, grace. Come on, you just need to shout it now. Let me hear you. Grace, grace. Come on, shout it again today. Grace, grace. Do you see it happening? Do you see it restored? Do you see it turning around do you see the healing come on you got to see it you got to see it by faith and shout grace grace it's only by your grace God it's only by your grace it's only by your grace put that first Corinthians 15 back up there I feel like I got to read it again but whatever I am now it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I've worked hard. I got my grind. I got the grit. But I need the grace. God, we need it. There's some things that we want to do individually. There's some families that want to do some things. They need your grace. Our church got some things we want to do, God. We need your grace. We need your grace today. Everyone standing to their feet. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the grace of God is extended to you. You don't have to earn it. It is freely given, but you do have to receive it. I want to lead us in this prayer this morning. If that's you today, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Pray this with me. Say, dear Lord, I need you. I cannot continue to live the life that I've been living I need a new beginning so I come to you Jesus where all grace abounds and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and for all of my ways of living and I surrender my life to you and I ask you to make me a new person by your grace I believe it and I receive it today I will follow you and I declare you're my Lord and Savior thank you Jesus for what you did for me on the cross I'm all yours I will live my life your way 
in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Grace, 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 grace.